express to you enough of how much we appreciate our church family here. And uh, many of you went above and beyond to come to the visitation, called. Um, many of you came to the funeral. Um, and that just means the world. And I really appreciate you all being a part of, of this difficult time for us. Um, Thomas had uh, suggested that he preach this Sunday. Um, <clears throat> district leadership had also wanted to come in and speak, but uh, this is therapeutic for me to share the gospel. <laughs> and, uh, and actually what I'm sharing with you today is, uh, was, was the sermon that I had prepared uh, before I knew that my dad had passed away. And it's, it's kind of ironic. It's talking about taking care of your family. And, um, and so I really felt like I needed to share that. Uh, and I want to say thank you to Pastor Shirley um, for, for preaching last Sunday and um, praying with me this morning as well. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, Griffin Briggs said that we're going downhill now that I'm preaching again after you spoke. So, <laughs> um, Let me share this about the gospel real quick, if I can. So this morning I read an article from um, the National Geographic that was talking about a new worldview called transhumanism. Basically, it's not talking about transgender and all that, Transhumanism is the belief that um, science is one day going to catch up with where the world is at in the, in the sense of death. And so what they believe will eventually happen is that you can freeze a body at death. So say a person has cancer or they die from congestive heart failure, um, that they can freeze the body and eventually science is going to catch up and they'll be able to bring that person back to life and they'll be able to live again. And that um, congestive heart failure and cancer will hopefully have been defeated by then. I read that and I thought, man, that is fascinating. But at the same time, there's a side of me that thinks, you know what? Coming back here would fail in comparison um, to what Christ has in store for us. And so, but it also showed me that everybody has this strong desire to live after they die. And if I could just share with you that that's the good news of the gospel, that Christ has met that human desire that we have, and that um, when we pass away, he's, he's offering us something that's far better than if we were to freeze our bodies and come back here. Um, and so some people are chasing after a lot of things that fell in comparison to what God has in store for, for all of us. And, and I wanted to share that with you because as I was reading again, even this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where it talks about, you know, the resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of believers and the hope that we have in that church. Um, that's why we're together today, isn't it? Because uh, we believe in, in the resurrection and, and the hope of everlasting life in Christ, and what a gift that is. Let me pray for us this morning, okay? Father, as we look into your word today, uh, Lord, continue just to challenge us, comfort us. 
Lord, I pray that you'll just um, cover me with your grace today. Cover us all with your grace. Draw us close to you, Lord. As we talk about our responsibility of taking care of those you have placed in our life. Lord, I lay all this down at your feet, praying, Lord, that you will do with it what you see pleasing. In Christ's name I pray, amen. So on February the 4th of this year, an interesting article came out in the High Point Enterprise. And I know a lot of you get the High Point Enterprise. I don't. But um, uh, Brenda and Bobby had actually brought this newspaper article to me and said, Matt, you need to check this out because it was just fascinating. And so when I read it on, I guess I read it on the 5th, um, I said, Brenda, I'm preaching a sermon in a couple weeks on this very topic. I want to I use this. The title of the article was um, Unwanted, an elderly woman's or an elderly mother's plight inspired a local pastor's song. Now, I'm just going to, let me explain the title, but that's not really the direction I'm wanting to go. It took place in 1927. I'll explain this in just a moment. What happened to this lady in 1927 caused the pastor at Hayworth Wesleyan Church in 1927 to write a song, okay? And so the author of this article, which is Jimmy Tomlin, some of you may know Jimmy Tomlin, um, he, he writes about how this, how this um, song came to be, and he gives the background story to it. So I want to share with you, not the song, but the story, okay? And those of you who have read it, um, this will just kind of refresh your, um, your memory of, of reading it. So there was a, a lady... Um, named Caroline Spillers. She lived in South Carolina. She was an elderly woman. She was 75 years old, and her family in South Carolina no longer wanted her. No wanted to care for her. So they put her on a train and sent her to High Point, North Carolina. Okay? She arrives at High Point, North Carolina because her grandson lived here. So on November 27th of 1927, she arrives to High Point. She's at the train station, and she's just kind of sitting out there in a bed waiting for her grandson to come pick her up. Lo and behold, her grandson does not come and pick her up. So they call him, and he gives this long story of saying, no, I'm not going to pick up my grandmother because my wife doesn't want my grandmother in the home and it was going to cause some problems. And, and so she just sat at the train station waiting for somebody to come and pick her up. And nobody wanted her. So some good citizens of High Point decided what they would do was they were going to put her into a, um, into a hotel so they went to a local hotel, and lo and behold, the hotel denied her as well. And they said, no, she's not allowed to stay here. So these good citizens then took her to what was then called the Guilford General Hospital. Some of you may remember that. Guilford General Hospital. She was there for three days, and she passed away on December 1st. Okay? But as she started to draw near to death, um, she called, the doctors called her daughter in South Carolina and said, listen, you may want to get here. Your mother is passing away. To which 
the the daughter looked at or on the phone call said to the doctor listen she would be better off dead okay and so there there again she was rejected by her family all this happened and then as i said three days later she died and one of the things that mr tomlin writes just stuck with me he said we can only assume poor caroline spillers died of a broken heart of just not being accepted by her family and this caused me to reflect um two weeks ago on you know what is what is the church's responsibility and what are family members responsibility of taking care of the elderly and the loved ones in their family and so if you look in scripture scripture does have something to say about this very topic um, our responsibility and i want to share with you this passage of scripture it's in first timothy chapter 5 verses 1 through 8 and it speaks about this very topic of our responsibility. Now, I realize that for many of you, your parents are already gone, okay? Others of you have parents and grandparents, no doubt. Others of you have aunts and uncles. All of us have elderly in our church. And what you're going to see in Scripture is that we have a responsibility as Christ's ambassadors here on earth to care for these individuals. So this is in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. It says, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Now, there's a whole sermon in that right there, okay, of how we treat one another. Um, if Christian men would take this and look at women as if they are their mothers and younger women as their sisters, perhaps we could transform society with this whole movement that's taking place with hashtag Me Too. I really believe that men need to step up and start teaching the younger generations that that women are not objects, that women are made in the image of God, and that they are our mothers and sisters in Christ. Verse 3, give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. And I like that because uh, Paul is sharing with, with Timothy here that there are some who are widows that aren't in need, okay, uh, and he goes on to explain that a little bit later. A lot of what he explains in here is whether or not they reach a certain age. Because what Paul's argument is, is that if they are still young and they are a widow, more than likely they're going to be able to get remarried again. Okay, And so he talks about these who have a real need for being a widow and that we have a responsibility to care for them. So he says, give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. We'll talk about that in more detail. Verse 5, 
The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions so that no one may be, may be open to blame. If you're wondering, why is Pastor Matt preaching on this? Why isn't he preaching about something else? Because Paul told Timothy that it's important to preach and teach this topic to the church. And he says that right there. Give the people, in verse 7, give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. And then verse 8, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's powerful, isn't it? Worse than an unbeliever. That's a, there's a verse that, that's scary that we as Christians can actually live a life that is so displeasing to God that we are worse than an unbeliever by not caring for our loved ones. Let me share with you a couple of things from this passage of Scripture um, that I think is relevant for all of us. Number one is this. The first individuals responsible for taking care of elders are the children and grandchildren. Okay, um, and, and you get this a lot. A lot of people feel like the, the first responsibility is the church. Okay, The church is... The second row. The first responsibility is always the children and the grandchildren. Um, if they have no grandchildren or children, the church is really supposed to step up then and, and take responsibility of that. Or in some cases, let's say um, you have an elderly individual who has children, but that child is under the age of 18. You know, Really, the church needs to step up in that situation as well. But I do want to stress this. This is not saying that the church has no responsibility. Okay, This doesn't just take the church off of the hook and say, you know what, folks, if they have children, we could just step back and, and not do anything. Unfortunately, we live in a broken world where many times the children and the grandchildren don't step up to their responsibility. And in cases like that, the church does need to step up. And praise God for the example from 1927 where these good Christian people stepped up to the task of this lady because her children and grandchildren left her out literally to die. So there is some responsibility for the church, but it's first and foremost the responsibility of children and grandchildren or with family members. You may remember the commandment that we are to honor our father and our mother this is the commandment that often people think that once they leave the house they don't have to follow that anymore that commandment is a lifelong commandment you are still to honor your parents even after they they have passed um, you speak you speak respectfully about them even after they've passed um, up to the point till they pass you are to show them honor and respect and so this is a little bit of what the Apostle Paul is getting at here with verse 4. And listen to this verse again. He says, Children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice 
by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. So we are to honor them as much as we possibly can because first and foremost, they're our parents, but even higher than that, we do it because it is pleasing to God. It is an act of worship, and we'll talk about that in a few moments. But Paul says that it's pleasing to God when children and grandchildren take care of their family members. But we also learn that God is not pleased when we fail to take care of our family members. And so that's what I want to share with you next. What happens when we fail to take care of our relatives? It's as if we are denying the Christian faith, is what verse 8 says. Now, isn't that powerful? I mean, just, just think about that. We always think about, you know, denying the Christian faith is whether or not you participate in sin. But could you see in this passage of Scripture that what the Apostle Paul was sharing with Timothy is, is that you are also denying the faith when you don't practice your religion, is what he says, and take care of your family members. So listen to verse 8. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Worse than an unbeliever. So he says, these are some pretty powerful words from the Apostle Paul. Paul's point is short and it's direct. The message is clear. Just as an unbeliever denies the faith, a child or grandchild denies the faith by not living out the commandment to honor their mother and father and to take care of them. When I was in Forest City, I had an individual that I pastored. His dad was a pastor. And when he was young, one morning he woke up and his father, the pastor, had abandoned his family, had left, was gone. Okay? Never heard from him. If he did hear from him, it was once in a blue moon. When he got older, and he was attending my church, uh, Dave is his name, David had uh, told me a little bit about his father, and one day he came over to the parsonage and was talking to me. He said, man, I'm in a, I'm in a situation. And I said, what's going on, Dave? And he said, um, my dad's been in contact with me. Um, he's a diabetic, and they've had to remove both of his legs. He has no one to care for him. And there's nobody at all that can take care of him. And none of my brothers wanna, want anything to do with him because he abandoned us. But David looked at me and he said, but I'm struggling because I know what the Bible says for me to do. And he said, you know, I don't know that I want to do it, but I know that I'm supposed to do it. And so what David did was he brought his dad down from the north and put him in a, a nice nursing home and visited with his dad every opportunity. And through that, his dad, his dad's name was Herb. Herb was able to see the love of Christ through his son and question, why would his son do this with what he had done to his son? And I had the opportunity to go and share with this former pastor the gospel and that God forgives and that God is showing love to him through his son. 
to me, that was a powerful moment in my ministry to see an individual practice their faith in a way that was pleasing to God. Did, this, did Herb deserve it? No, he did not deserve it. But through the grace of God and God working through David, he saw the love of God through his son. None of us deserve it, let's be honest. Uh, just this week, I met another man whose father had left him when he was a child, as a friend of Laura's. Um, and his wife, uh, and once his dad had gotten sick, he and his wife brought him into the home, right? And after he had been abandoned all these years, brought him into the home and nurtured him and cared for him in his elderly age until he passed away. I mean, you hear stories like this and you think, how amazing is the grace of God that God can help transform people's emotions and feelings. I mean, when it says that the most powerful of these things is love and that love covers a multitude of sins, these are living testimonies of people who have done that. That is the grace of God who has allowed them to do that. And listen, I know, folks, I've been in ministry for 15 years. I know many people come up to me and say, Pastor Matt, my father did this, my mother did this. I just don't know if I can forgive them. And you're right. You know what? You can't. But you have a God who can work through you. Okay? And he can help you to forgive them and show the love of Christ to them. And let's hold Scripture up to the high standard that it deserves, that if it says that love can cover a multitude of sins, let God love through you and cover that multitude of sins. And so in closing, I just want to share with you a couple of things um, that you can do to show the love to, to your loved ones. And some of these, um, as, I, as I was reading through these, I was thinking to myself, man, I wish I would have done this better. I wish I'd have done that better. But before we do, I want to show you a great example of an individual. I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but USA Today did a little video segment on him um, of him caring for his mother who has Alzheimer's and how he's walking with her through this journey. And I mean, this is, this is a, honor, a man showing honor to his mother during a very difficult time. And I just want you all to see this clip. Joey, who's my mom? This is, I don't know, Joey, I'm trying. Okay. What, what, what is it? You are. Hardest day of my life? <laughs> when your mother doesn't know who you are? <laughs> Thank you.
doubt we live in a broken world. When you see someone suffering with dementia, cancer, whatever the case may be, we see people who are broken. But what God has called us to be is his ambassadors here on earth, where we partner with God in restoring that which is broken. And who not best to partner with God in in restoring the broken than our very own family and our very own church members of loving and caring for those. Let me share with you just a couple things that you can do, okay? How can we reclaim those that we love? One, we can call and check on them. Everybody's just a phone call away now, right? And we can call and check on them. We could take more time to visit with them, okay? And yes, it's the responsibility of the pastor to go and visit the sick and, and things, but it's really the responsibility of the entire church to go and visit and to check on these individuals and let them know that they're loved and cared for. And then others, you could even go and take care of the upkeep of their home. Um, I, know, I know some of you already do this for, for widows and elderly in our church. You'll go and you cut their grass for them and you do other things for them. Listen to me. That is partnering with God in showing the love of Christ in these individuals. And for those of you that are doing it, job well done. For those of us that need to improve in that area, let's look for ways where we can partner with God in, in, in restoring some of these people who are broken. What about a loved one who is unable to take care of themselves? What can we do in a situation like that? Okay? One, you can invite them to live in your home. Okay? Uh, currently, my aunt is, um, has my grandmother living in her apartment with her. Uh, we stopped by and visited my grandmother yesterday. She has dementia. Um, it, it's a bad situation. And my, my aunt is really physically unable herself to really care for her. But she has her in that home, and she is caring for her mother. And the grandchildren have come by, and, and they're helping as much as we can. But that's one, one area you can do. Another thing you can do is you can place them in a nice assisted living facility or nursing home. Um, if, I, if I can just take a moment to share with you, um, I've had moments where people have come up to me as their pastor and said, Pastor Matt, is it okay for me to put my loved one in a nursing home or do I have to have them in the house with me? Um, no, it's perfectly okay to have your loved one in a nursing home. Uh, let's, let's be honest. In many cases, they get better care in the nursing home or assisted living than, than they would be able to in situations where they live with you, okay? Um, some people are trained to be able to do that and to care for them. But I've had people come up to me and say, I feel like people are talking about me because I've placed my parent in an assisted living or nursing home, okay? Listen, that's okay to do long as you are continuing to invest into them and not just abandon them at that nursing home but you continue to care and to love for them. So number three goes along with that. Continue to visit with them. Number four, learn to take care of their finances for them. Okay? Many, of, many of our elders have gotten to a point where they can't, they can't pay their own bills. Uh, technology has advanced so much now that uh, a lot of places will say you need to pay your bills online. 
And so you may need to go over and help teach somebody how to do that. Or you may be able to set, up a, set it up to where it could do it automatically from their bank account for them. Uh, but there's many different things that you can do to help the elderly because they just haven't been able to transition with the technology of our times. Uh, number five, take them to doctor's appointments. You all have been good with that. You all have been good with that. But continue to take them to doctor's appointments. Buy nice clothing for them. Go out and eat with them. Even if they can't get out, you know what you can do is you can bring food to them and have dinner with them. Um, I can't tell you how many shut-ins I've visited with over the years who, even if they're in an assisted living or in a nursing home, they often eat their meals by themselves in their own rooms. And so just having somebody, whether it be a family member or a church member, to come by and to have a meal with them means the world to them. I used to do that on a regular basis with a gentleman up in Forest City. Um, I would take him Arby's once a week, and we'd just sit there and we would eat because he needed somebody. He had just, he had just lost his wife, and he needed somebody to be there with him and to help him during that difficult time. And so these are things that we can do that help show the love of Christ and that we can partner with God in doing this. And so I wanted to share this with you because as we've been talking about the unordinary life, unfortunately, we live in a culture where our older individuals are being pushed to the side and forgotten. But the scriptures call us to be intergenerational. And what that means is we are called to make sure that they are as much a part of everything we're doing as we would include the younger generations as well. So I really want to encourage you all to follow what this passage of Scripture is doing because it is pleasing to God, church. It's pleasing to God. Have we all been able to do this to the best of our ability? Probably not. But you know what we can do? We can move from this day forward trying to do the best that we can with the knowledge that we have. Let's pray together. Father, as we close this service and we sing a final song, remind us, Lord, of the widows and the widowers in our church family and in our own personal families. Lord, help us to be committed to praying for them and caring for them and loving for them, loving them, and letting them know that Christ's love is flowing through us to them. Lord, help us to partner with you in helping to restore their brokenness and their sickness. Lord, help us to be good ambassadors. Help us to stand out like the shining stars. Help us to be unordinary in these relationships. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.